I want to welcome our online family, everybody that's watching at one of our connection points out there. Come on, everybody that's here, let's welcome the online family today. Come on, let's give them a big old hand clap today. We're glad that you're with us. Give us a shout out where you are watching from. Grab your Bible, open up with me, or click on your device to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, and the Lord has had me on a journey over these last several weeks uh, in Enid at World Harvest Church, uh, diving into a concept, a principle that I'm going to attempt here in the time that I've got remaining with you to speak some of the things that has taken me three weeks to speak in Enid. So already that is a challenge. But any time that I step into the pulpit, I'm always praying, Lord, what do you want to speak? What are you saying today? Because how many of y'all know it's really easy to get in a rut, you know, and just do things that are familiar to you, right? And so I'm going to just speak something here. This message, if you want to, if you're taking notes, if you um, like titles, this, this message is called The Necessity of the Gospel. The Necessity of the Gospel. In Mark chapter 16, I'm going to read this first of all. And, you know, um, how many parents do we have in the room? Come on, let me see some hands today. Where's all my parents? And Tammy and I, we're empty nesters now, you know, enjoying our adult kids and two grandkids now that we have. But I remember those days of uh, when the kids was at home and those moments that maybe we may go on a trip, a ministry trip or a little vacation, but was leaving the kids at home with a babysitter. And, and, and how many of your parents have ever done this before? You know, kind of that moment before you go away, you kind of get the kids together and say, hey, I, I, this has been crazy, but hey, pay attention. You know, eyes here. Let me give you some final instruction. You know, number one, don't tear up the house. You know, don't burn it down. You know, treat each other with love. You know, there's always those final instructions, right? Have your parents ever done that before? We did that many times. But in Mark chapter 16, I want us to look at this because it's in these few verses here that Jesus is wrapping up his ministry upon the earth. He's getting ready to go to heaven, and he's with his disciples, and he's kind of like that, before I go, let me have a talk with you like parents do. We find it in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. This is New King James. He says this, Jesus said unto them, he said this, go into all the world, everybody say these next three words with me, and preach the, come on, preach the, preach the gospel to every creature. Now, I'm not talking about animals and all, but how many of y'all know we got some humans that are creatures today that just, you know, preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 16, he says this, and he who believes and is baptized will be what? Come on, will be. I'm just kind of curious, how many of y'all are taking that step to salvation? Anybody in this church today, man, you're saved and you're excited about your salvation. Amen. Shall be saved, but he who does not believe will be what? will be condemned. So we see Jesus here talking about the gospel, the necessity of the gospel here. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel, if you go back and study that phrase, the word gospel, it actually comes from a, a word that means the good news. That's what the gospel is. It's simply the gospel is what? It is the good news, the good news. Now, we're living in a time and an age where it seems like that just this world is spinning out of control, and there's so much negative news. You know, case in point, you know, with the election coming up here, it just amazes me how these election cycles seem to be getting uglier and uglier. Anybody with me here today? You know, case in point, just not, I'm not telling you how to vote, but I have had some incredible opportunities over the last year and a half 
to hang out with our governor in several different prayer moments and small meetings and got to hang out with him in the mansion. And, just, and I have been so amazed at Governor Stitt's heart. And just he comes not from a political background, but he comes from a business background, very business-minded. But I, I tell you, the first time that I heard this brother pray and his wife pray, I'm like, oh, my dear God, this guy's spirit-filled. It's just like it wasn't a formality. Man, he's pouring his heart out. And, you know, Sarah Stitt, one of the first meetings I went to, she shared this prophetic vision that she had for Oklahoma, how the night that they got elected, she's seen this map of Oklahoma and these four dark giants, just ominous beings, come out of the state of Oklahoma, but as the church began to pray, these giants began to fall one by one. I'm like, oh my dear word, this is amazing. And then when I hear these negative campaigns, the, the negative ads, I'm like, man, I tell you, not, this is what I'm like, nobody knows the full story. I mean, it's like, and, and the thing is, it's just all this negative news. There's so much negative news. And, and you know, up until this week, I've been looking around like, where's the good news? And we got some good news this week as body of Christ, as Christians today. Man, when Roe versus Wade got overturned, I don't know about you, where you stand on that, but saving babies' lives, man, I'm excited about that. Anybody else? Amen. Now, you may not like that. That's all right. It happened, and you liked it or you didn't like it. We like it. We're going to celebrate that. I think we need to celebrate life. Amen. Amen. So praise God for that. That was some good news. But, you know, really up into the end, it's like, where's the good news at? I remember several weeks ago, we were just all this stuff going on, all the political stuff going on. And I, I remember, you know, being in ministry all my life, it's pretty much one of those things. My, my kids, are, our girls are in ministry with us. You know, Brooke and Kinsley are our worship leaders. Brittany's our, our youth pastor, our worship director, our associate pastor. And all, so all my life, I've had these behind-the-scenes conversations that usually start out like this, have you heard? And 99.9% of the time when you hear a conversation behind the scenes of, have you heard, it's usually bad news. Have you heard so-and-so's leaving the church? Have you heard so-and-so's getting a divorce? Have you heard? And, like, and so about three weeks ago, we're in this conversation with our kids, and she starts out this, have you heard? And suddenly my heart like, oh, what is it now? And she began to share some news with us. It wasn't bad news. It was good news. I'm like, wait a minute. That was something good. And it made me realize how starved we are for good news in our world today. Let me tell you, there's a world around us that needs some good news. Jesus said, go into the, all the world and preach the, the gospel, which is, what is the gospel? The good news. See, this is the good news. The good news is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. In a world with so much negativism, in a world where there's so much strife, there's so much division, let me tell you, we need some good news today. Anybody with me? Because I don't know about you, when I hear all the stuff going on in the world, all I can say is this, Lord, what is true? What is true? All this political mess that's going on over the last year, what is the truth? And this is what I've determined. You're going you're gonna to partner with whatever, whatever you're listening to all the time is what you believe to be true. Now, I think if, why not take that same perspective and let's make 
the Word of God what is the truth in our life. Because I fully believe in this world that's spinning out of control. When there is the loss of truth, we, nobody really knows. It, whatever you're hearing, that's what you believe to be true. Let me tell you, there is a truth that goes beyond man's perspective. There is a truth that goes beyond the political arena. There is a truth that you and I, let me tell you, many of y'all have experienced, but this is what I know. What you become familiar with, you lose the value for. What does the gospel mean to you? And I tell you, there's a truth that Jesus is alive today. Jesus is the difference maker here today. Come on, how many of y'all love Jesus today? Let me hear you. Amen. And this is my concern that here, and listen, I am not dogging on the United States of America, but in the United States of America, have we so Americanized the gospel that we've rendered it to no effect? Mm, let me just leave that right there. Let me just keep going here. Let's look at something here. I want you to turn over here to Second, excuse me, to Luke chapter ten, Luke chapter ten, because I believe it is the good news of the gospel that is the most important message that we can bring to our world today. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to get out and vote. Come on, we need good people in office. But let me tell you, if we can get Jesus Christ back as the center of our universe, the center of our nation, let me tell you, a lot of this other stuff will work out. Amen. I believe in having the right people in office, but let me tell you, they're not Jesus Christ. And any time we exalt a man or a woman above Jesus Christ, we are in error. Amen? Come on, look at somebody beside you and tell them it's all about Jesus today. It's all about Jesus. And let me tell you, I'm concerned because we are in a cultural battle today. We're not just in the season of the politics and the battle. Let me tell you, when you got Walt Disney, the the, the biggest influencer of children in our world today, beginning to bring an agenda to the table, uh, uh, beginning to teach and show things that that are normal, that are not normal. Come on, we are in a cultural war, and this is my concern, church. We're losing the war. We're losing the war. Why is that? Well, I've got my theories. One of my theory is we become so self-centered in the gospel message that we're not being the true light in this world. I'll leave that right there. Mic drop, let's go. <laughs> Look at something here in Luke chapter 10. Because in order to understand the importance of the gospel, the necessity of the gospel, we need to be reminded today that the, what the gospel really means to us as an individual. So if I can bring myself and rein myself in here, let's look at Luke chapter 10. Because to help us to understand the gospel, I need us to take a look and an encounter that a very wise man had with Jesus. One day, it's found in Luke chapter 10, and verse 25, and I'm just going to read all this passage for you if you're okay with that. Now, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, okay? Now, for me, I, I, you know, I love King James, I love New King James, but for me, just the New Living Translation, just the verbiage of it, just kind of speaks to me at a level that helps me to understand things a little better. So whatever translation you use, you need to use one that you can really connect with, amen? All right? Now, in my, if I am going deep into the Scriptures, deep theological study, I'm going to go to the New, King, uh, the New King James usually. But the New Living Translation, I like preaching out of that because it's just as a common language. It's, so what, whether, wherever you're at, okay? I know some people believe that the King James is the only version of the Bible. But it, the King James is still the translation back in the 1400s, all right? So bottom line is this. Find you a Bible you connect with and you understand. So I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. If you don't have that, you can watch the screen. It says this, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. He said this, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Eternal life. Now, let me just share this. You know, as I stand here on this stage, six months after the passing of our pastor here, Charles Mendenhall, my father, 
all this past year and a half, two years, I tell you, it has really helped me to shift to a more of an eternal perspective. Anybody else with me? How many of y'all know this world's not our home? I don't know about you, but I'm glad this world's not my home. Amen. Because in this world, you want some trouble. This man, he comes to Jesus. How do I gain eternal life? Look at this, verse 26. Jesus replied, he says, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Verse 27. So the man answered this. He says, you must, come on, everybody say it with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, come on, all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. And then he goes on to say, he didn't stop there. He says in this, and love your, say it with me, love your neighbor as yourself. Look at that person right there beside you and tell them, you know, I really do love you. Amen. Now look at that other person that you didn't want to talk to just a second ago on the other side of you and say, hey, same for you. <laughs> now look at this. What is Jesus' response? Verse 28, he said this, right. The word, ding, 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 right, Jesus told him. Look at this. Do this and you will live. Do this, what? Now what was the answer to the question the guy asked? Do this. In other words, Jesus said, if you'll just do that, you're going to gain eternal life. Let me finish this out. The man then wanted to justify his actions, so we asked Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Verse 30, Jesus replied with a story. I love the ministry of Jesus because so many times he used just relevant things to bring forth a kingdom principle. The teaching of Jesus is very simple. Jesus replied with a story. He said this, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. They left him half dead beside the road. How many of you know that dude had a bad day? Verse 31. By chance, a priest. A priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, what was his response? The priest, the pastor, the local pastor. What did he do? He crossed to the other side of the road, passed by. Verse 32. But a temple assistant. King James, New King James says a Levite, a temple worker, a staff member, a church leader, walked over, looked at the man lying there, but he also passed by what? The other side, verse 33. Then a despised Samaritan. A despised Samaritan. Let me just address this for just a moment. This is very critical. If you don't know the context of the story that Jesus is sharing here in the context of the times, listen, you talk about racial tensions. You talk about prejudices. It was to the max during this time because the Jewish people felt because they was called by God that they was better than everybody else and they did not interact. I mean, it was, it was very segregated. Jewish people didn't interact with Samaritans. It was very prejudiced and they all understood it. A despised, that's why it says a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, what happened? Everybody say it with me. He felt compassion for him. Verse 34, then going over to him, the Samaritan smoothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to, the, to an inn where he took care of him. Verse 35, the next day he handed the innkeeper what? Two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. And if the, if the bill runs higher than this, he says, I'll pay you the next time that I'm here. I mean, you know, that's pretty bold. Verse 36. Now, which, Jesus closes the story with this. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked him. Verse 37. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And then he said, yes, yes. Now go do, go do the same. 
Uh, just look at that person next to you again and say, hey, go do the same. Come on, go do the same. Come on, tell somebody that. Go do the same. Go do the same. It's very interesting to me as we see this setting, this story. I believe that it's in this story that we can look a little bit deeper into really what the gospel is all about. Because every one of us, inherently, we are looking for eternal life. Amen? Inherently, we are looking to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. I, when my dad passed away on January the 1st, I understand that that wasn't the termination of Pastor Charles Mendenhall. It was just a, a, simply a time of transition for him. And he's simply still very much alive and well. He's just in heaven and we're still here on this earth. I simply understand that he's the lucky one, right, of all of us. He, he, he's reached the goal that we're all trying to get to, eternal life, to heaven, right? Now, I'm not advocating we get a group to go today, all right? <laughs> I want to fulfill my purpose and, and experience all the time that God has for me and do all God has for me here. But we see, I believe, some things, several things, and I don't have time in the short time that I've got here on the stage with you today to really dive in as deep as I want to go. But let me just attempt to hit on a couple things. Do you remember the story how it started? The man came to Jesus and said, how do I gain eternal life? Jesus said, what do you see? He said this. The, 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 thing, the first step, the first, number one point here, you can write this down. The gospel is about loving God. The man said, if I'll love God, love my neighbor, and Jesus said, yeah, you got it. You got it. How many of y'all know that's pretty simple? The gospel, first of all, number one, is about loving God. Loving God. And let me ask you again. I guess I'm just, I just need some feedback. But how many of y'all love God today? Come on, how many of y'all love God today and you're excited about loving God today? Amen? If you look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 right quick. Just something Paul speaks here because really the loving God part is about really experiencing God. And how do we experience God? Well, it all starts out really with the gift of salvation that we experience. And Paul addresses this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. He says this. Now, again, this is New Living Translation. He says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ now has become a what? A new person. How many of y'all know Jesus? You know Jesus? Guess what? You are a new person. And I love this. He says the old life is what? Gone and a new life has begun. The old life is gone and a new life has what? Begun. And all this, he said, it is a gift of God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us now the task of what? Reconciling people to him. Verse 19 says this, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. How many of y'all are glad you're a new creation in Christ and your old sins have no bearing on your today? Amen. He says, He's given us now this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. What's an ambassador? And an ambassador is somebody who represents another kingdom. He says here that we are his ambassadors. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Anybody got anybody in your world that needs to know Jesus? I, 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 I did not feel very good about that feedback you just gave me. Can I make a statement here that could be offensive to you? If everybody that's in your circle loves Jesus, your circle's not big enough. And I challenge you to expand your circle. I believe every Christian should have somebody in their circle of love that doesn't know Jesus for a season because I believe once they know you, they're going to come to Jesus. Always expand your circle. Work on bringing people into your circle that needs to know Jesus. Let me just leave it at that. 
Verse 21, for God made Christ who had never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We see in this passage of scripture two major things here. First of all, we see that we're reconciled to God. We're brought back into harmony with God. And when we're brought back into harmony with God, we are a new creation. Come on, I don't care what your past is like, what you did. Come on, some of y'all, were you were champion sinners before Christ. Come on, some of y'all could have got, got a, won a gold medal in sinning. Come on, anybody in this church? Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Now, this is what's cool. You know, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I was a pretty good pastor's kid. I thought my mom might say amen on that, but, you know, the jury's still out on that, I guess. But, you know, but I was a pretty good pastor. I didn't get messed up in a lot of stuff. You know, I wasn't perfect by no means. But this is what's cool to me. When we all come to Christ, we're all on the same playing field. I don't care if you was a druggie, an alcoholic, I mean, you was a sex addict before. Let me tell you, whenever we come to Christ, God looks at us all the same. Amen? Can't help but think of David Burroughs right back over here. Uh, I've known David ever since he's known Christ, pretty much, but I've heard stories. I heard a story of David Burroughs riding a horse into a bar one time and beating up some people. I'm like, David Burroughs? It's not David. David, man, he's a big old plush teddy bear. You know what I'm kind of, how many of y'all love David Burroughs back here? Amen. But his BC days, his before Christ days, he was, you didn't want to mess with David Burroughs. Come on now, I don't know about you, but that's cool to me that when I come to Christ, that he takes my sins, he washes it away, he reconciles, he puts me back into relationship with him, and we're all right with God. We are the righteousness of Christ. Anybody excited about that besides me here today? Amen. We are reconciled to him. Look at Psalms chapter 68, verse 19, right quick. Jesus, because of what Jesus did for us, we can experience a lot of things because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I love what this says in Psalm 68, verse 19. It says, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with what? Come on, how many of y'all like some benefits? Come on, if you start, if you, if you went to work for a company, you're like, what, you, you're some things you ask. You know, first of all, you know, what's required and what's the benefits? You know, how much am I going to get paid and do I get health insurance? You know, what, do I get a retirement account? There's benefits. Now, how many of y'all know serving Jesus, there's some benefits? Come on, how many of y'all like benefits? <laughs> Amen. He daily loads us, the scripture says, with benefits, the God of our salvation. There are benefits. In fact, this is a whole other series I'm going to be doing this fall. In Luke chapter 4, we see about the five benefits of serving Jesus. We see salvation, salvation, the abolition of our sins. We see uh, the mending of our soul. We see the healing of the inner man. We see freedom. Come on, in Christ we're free, right? We see the healing of our bodies, amen? And we also see we have the anointing. We have the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives us today. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit in my life. Come on, Jesus is the fixer of our life. How many of y'all know that today? Come on, he's the fixer. There are benefits. What you need, Jesus has got. Come on, if you've got a messed up marriage, Jesus has got healing for your marriage. Come on, if your finances are messed up, you get your priorities right, you start honoring God with your finances, God's going to take care of your finances. Come on, you got a wayward child. The Word of God says, man, you, you keep standing firm on the Word of God, and when he grows older, he'll not depart. Come on, how many of you know that's a principle, of the, a promise of the Word of God? Come on, that's a benefit of knowing Jesus. Come on. How many of y'all are grateful for joy in your life instead of sadness? Come on, how many are uh, excited about love and not hate? Yeah, come on. How many of you know there's some benefits? Come on, look at your name and say there's some benefits. <laughs> there are some benefits. Whatever you need, Jesus has got in that. 
But now remember what Jesus told the man and the man's response there at the beginning there in Luke. He said this. He says, what do you see? Loving God. How many of you know loving God is really easy? Come on, I don't know about you, but I get excited about loving, what loving God is. But you know what I've learned? Loving God is all about me. It's about what I can get, what I can do. But isn't it interesting that he didn't just say loving God's all you got to do? Come on, I don't know about you, but I love benefits. Come on, I love what God can do for me. This is my concern. Have we become so self-centered in the gospel message, we've made it so much about us that we forgot about the other half? Come on, there's more to it than just loving God. Come on, loving God's easy. I don't know about you, but I can come in and worship. I can love God. You know where I struggle? It's in the second half of the equation, loving people. Let's, let's, let's dive just a little bit. Let's, let's drill down on this for just a moment. Because point number one is this, the gospel is all about loving God. <clears throat> but number two, the gospel is also all about loving people. I made this statement here in my notes. We can't get so wrapped up in the benefits and, and what we can experience with God that we forget about that other second part, the loving people side. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. Come on, God so loved the world that he gave. I don't know about you, but I'm glad Jesus came for me. The, so we're, you know, but, but the thing we got to understand is that God so loved not just Brad Mendenhall, but he loves the entire world. In fact, the scripture tells us that he wishes that everybody be saved. But how many of you know not everybody's saved, right? We got to be careful, church, so we don't make the gospel just about me. The gospel, yes, it's about me, but it's also about then also loving the people around me, loving the world around us. I heard a pastor say many years ago, and it is something I've never been able to shake. He said that if you could cut God, he would bleed people. I've never been able to leave that. I've never been able to shake that. And that's the thing that I need us to understand here today, that whenever, if we're going to truly embrace the gospel, and if the gospel is a necessity to you and I, then not only do we have to embrace it for, for our gain, but there is a reason that God wants to heal us. There's a reason that he wants to bless us. There's a reason he wants to restore us so that we can then go into the world and to preach the good news. See, this is where we bring people to Jesus. Remember that scripture we read there in Corinthians? It says, first of all, you're going to be reconciled to Jesus, but number two, you're going to be an ambassador. Come on, we're ambassadors. We represent Jesus into our world today, right? We, we, there's a responsibility that we carry as a Christian. And this is probably, to be honest with you here today, is my aggravation with the American church because we made it so much about me and what I can get that we forgot about what God has called us to do to take the gospel, the good news. The average American Christian has not shared their faith with anybody in years. Now, I believe we can raise that average here at Victory Center Church. Anybody else with me here today? Come on, there's a responsibility we carry. It's kind of like me, you know, uh, Tammy and I with her kids. Back when we had our four kids in, in the house, you know, back in the day, and there's one thing that always just kind of rubbed me wrong as a parent. It's whenever you'd ask the kids, hey, can you go mow the lawn? Uh, go clean your room. And it's always this response. Well, how much do I get? Now, come on. How many of y'all dads are like me? Like, bless God, you, you're, I, I provide a roof for you. I pay the electric bill. Bless God, just go do it. Anybody dad, any other dads in this place like me? Yeah. 
It was kind of an irritation to me. My kids were always wanting something instead of participating and taking responsibility as being a part of the household. I wonder if we do that with God so many times in our lives. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Come on, it's not all about, all about me. Come on, look at your name and say, it's not all about me. <laughs> we need to see our world the way that Jesus sees our world. Look at Mark chapter 6. Y'all, y'all, are y'all all right today? Are you glad you came to church today? Yes. Amen. Thank you for those three people that are excited that came to church today. I want you to see something here in Mark chapter 6 because we tend to view the world around us with a very self-centered perspective, with a very self-centered lens. In Mark chapter 6, I want you to see this. This is a moment in time. Let me just set the context for this scripture. This is a moment in time where Jesus, he's been ministering with his disciples, and he's actually trying to get away from the people. He's actually trying to get away to a quiet place. He's actually trying to get back and refreshed. But it says here in verse 34, it says this, Mark chapter 6, verse 34. This is New King James. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude. Now, let me show you. Let, let's look at what was Jesus' response to the multitude. It says this. Everybody say it with me. He was, he was what? Moved with what? Come on. He was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Let's, let's drill on this for just a moment. He was moved with compassion. In other words, there was a situation, the environment that he was in, there was something that stirred his emotions. To be moved with compassion, that says that there was a, a touching of the soul. There was an emotional response. He was moved with compassion. Now, I need to be very transparent with you as a pastor. I can't tell you how many times that I've preached a service, and I want to get away from the people, and I'll go to the grocery store, and I'll see a church person there, and I'm like, seeing that aisle, I'm going to go down the other aisle. Come on, how many of you are glad for voicemail on your phone? Anybody? Come on, I know some of y'all are still old school. You think you got to answer every phone call that comes to your phone. Let me just set you free today. You don't have to answer every phone call that comes to your phone. You can let Siri answer that phone for you. Anybody else glad about that? Am I the only one? There's times, even in ministry, this is my job. People is the business I'm in. That I, I want to just get away from people because you know what? There's some people in my world that are really easy to love. <laughs> right? Come on, how many of y'all got some real lovable people in your world? Come on, how many of y'all got some people in Israel? You see them like, oh, so-and-so, yeah. But how many of y'all got, also got somebody in your world, when you see that person, it's like, a, oh, yeah, you're like, oh, and go the other way. Come on, help me out here. Is anybody else with me here today, right? It's easy to love the lovable, but Jesus didn't ask us to love just the lovable. He asked us the same way he loves the world. Are we loving the world also? Yeah. See, I've got people in my life, we call them EGR people. EGR stands for this, extra grace required. Come on, anybody got any EGR people in your life? right? Don't look at your neighbor right now. They may be an EGR person right now beside you. Know? But we all need that. And this is what I want you to see. Even Jesus himself, he had a way of looking past the outward actions into the heart of a person. Uh, you know, the story, if you know the stories of the Bible, there was a story of the Bible where these four crazy friends of this paralytic man, they said, man, if we can just get you to Jesus, Jesus is going to heal your body. They went to take him to Jesus. The, the house is full. There is no room. And so they go up to the roof. They rip open the roof, and they let him down. Anybody know that story? And this paralytic man, it's very obvious the guy needs a touch of power in his body. But does anybody remember what Jesus, he looked at the man in the, uh, on the bed there as they let him down. Anybody know what Jesus' first response to him was? What did he say? 
man, your sins be forgiven of you. Even Jesus looked past the physical need and said, there's a heart issue that's greater than the physical need. What would our world be like if we could see a world the way that Jesus sees it? Those irritating people that we got in our life, what if we could see them the way that Jesus sees them? Not as irritating us, but into the heart. Let me give you an example I heard years ago. I think as even Pastor Charlie right here in this stage, he gave this example, and I just love it. I'm, so every time I think about this, this is the example I love to use. If you was to walk out of these doors and see a dog out here on the porch that's growling at you, it's what would your response be to that? Now, before you answer it, me being a guy, my response, and how many of y'all guys like this? You're like, how dare you growl at me? You'd want to just go kick that dog. Some of y'all, anybody else? I know some of you ladies are like, you'd, you'd run in fear. I'm not one that would run in fear. I'd like, I'll show you a thing. You, you growl at me, I'll show you a thing or two. But now in that same scenario, what would happen to the little irritated at that response of that dog if you used to look at that dog and you see that dog maybe had a broken leg because it got hit by a truck out there, right? What would happen to your little bit of a, you would turn to what? Compassion. Turn to compassion. Compassion. Why? Because you realize that the display, the attitude that that dog had was driven by pain. I can't help but to see that same scenario with some people in my life that as I look at them, I can't help but think the way they're acting simply because of the pain they've experienced. So my frustration and my irritation to them quickly turns to compassion. Compassion. Now, I wish that was easy to do all the time. Tammy and I just walked out of the last few weeks with probably the, 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 mo the, the, the most grace-required person we've ever had in our life. So I say that to say this, it never gets easy. But loving God, that's easy. It's the loving people. Loving people. Y'all all right with this message today? Let, let, let's look at something here. Because I believe that if we will see our world the way that Jesus sees it, it'll change our perspective. This is a prayer, a simple prayer that I believe we all need to pray. Lord, help me look past their actions and let me see their hearts. Because Jesus is more concerned about the heart than the outside. Amen. Let me wrap this message up today. Hopefully you've gotten some out of this. But going back here to the beginning of the message, the man asked Jesus, what's the most important thing? Love God, love people, right? But then Jesus illustrates that principle by telling a story. Story of what? The Good Samaritan. Now, when we think about the characters of the story of the Good Samaritan, help, help me to identify the characters. First of all, what, somebody give me the, the first character. The pastor, the priest. The priest, the priest, the pastor. He's the, he's the head of the church. If there's anybody that should have had compassion on the man, how many of you know the pastor should have? Come on. You know, Pastor Margaret, Pastor Eugene. Come on. If somebody's going to help some hurting people, it should be one of them, right? Come on, anybody with me today? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Preach it, sister. Come on. Back here. Yeah. But you think about it. How many times do we have that attitude? Well, it's not my responsibility. It's the church's responsibility, Right? Let's back up. The first character, though, that I want to identify besides the priest would be the man in the ditch. The man in the ditch. Now, as I talk to these characters, which one of the characters do you identify with? How many of y'all can identify with the man in the ditch? I've been there. 
Come on, I've been beat up by life. I've been bruised by life. I've been left in the ditch. Come on, I've been hurting. Anybody else been? Right, right? So there's the man in the ditch. We've already identified the priest. Give me a third character. Who's the third one? The Levite, the Levite. The people in the church, the church leadership, the church staff. Come on, do you know how many of you know? If anybody should help, it should be them. I, don't, I wonder if the priest thought, you know, uh, well, you know, my associate pastor's coming behind me. He'll take care of it. I don't know. But who's our fourth character? The Samaritan. The Samaritan. Now, what's interesting is all three of the guys, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, all recognized the need. But only one of the three acted upon the need. Now, the priest, he saw it, he went, the Levite, he saw it, he, the scripture actually says he went over and he looked at that. What, what, what was going through the Levites? I, I wonder if the Levite was thinking, well, it's not my problem, somebody else will help. And he went on his way. Now, I don't know about you, but I can, I can relate to the guy in the ditch. Been there before? We've all been there before, actually. I can relate to the priest. I just don't got enough time. I got places to go. I got people to say, I got to go preach a sermon. I got to go talk about Jesus. I got to talk about the God of love. And there's somebody that needs it. I can relate to the Levite. Oh, man, I know there's a need. I know there's a need, but I just, I'm not, I can't right now. But the good Samaritan. Now, Jesus responded to the man. He says, out of those three guys who, who showed the love. He said it was a Samaritan. If you wouldn't mind here, just in my closing moments, I believe there's a deeper meaning to the story that we can miss if we're not careful. See, there's a fifth character in the story that we don't really give attention to. And I believe it is the fifth character that God is calling us to be. See, I can relate to the Good Samaritan, but the reality is this. I believe in the story, the deeper meaning is Jesus is the one that truly rescues people because I can't in my own need, in my own ability. Jesus, how many of y'all know? Jesus, Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the restorer of life. But I believe that the fifth character that I want you just to ponder on and think about in the story that I believe is for this moment, this hour, is the innkeeper. Think about it for just a moment. What did Jesus, let me rephrase that, the good Samaritan, he pulls the man out of the ditch, and what did he do with him? He took him and placed him in the care of the innkeeper. The innkeeper. Now get this. He didn't just put him in the care of, but the Samaritan empowered the innkeeper to bring restoration to the man. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't help but think that as Jesus called us as the corporate body of the church to be the inn, and we're the innkeeper today. I believe that in this times we're living in, that Jesus Christ is looking to bring people to us. Will we bring about restoration? Will we help them walk out salvation? Will we do our part? Jesus has given us people to take care of, to steward. Now, church, 
I mean, when I say the church, I'm talking about World Harvest Church in Enid. I'm talking about the church in America. We're really good at loving God. Come on, we're really good about talking about the benefits. But if that's all we do and that's our whole focus, we're missing out on half the gospel. Because it's not about just what I can get, it's about what I can then do. Victory Center Church, I believe that over these next few years that Jesus is going to bring many people to say, here, here's a person I brought out of the ditch and I'm going to empower you to heal them, to restore them, to do what you can. Victory Center Church, will we be the innkeepers? Will we be the church? Come on, it's easy to shake your head yeah right now. Let me tell you, it takes work. Be ugly when you're dealing with people with addiction, when you're dealing with people whose marriages have messed up, when you're dealing with people who need Jesus. Come on, it can be ugly. But how many of y'all know it's necessary? This is what the Lord's been stirring in my heart. This is why I believe in the day and age we're living in. We the necessity of the gospel, the good news is more relevant now than it ever has before. Because as the world gets darker light of Jesus has got to shine brighter. Are we going to be people that's willing to be the bright light? It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.